0: Now, I've been a sky watcher all my life. When I was a kid, rockets and jets were my favorite technology of all kind, of any kind. And so I have watched the sky. I collected pictures of jets and rockets, thousands of pages I collected over the years. That was one of my favorite things to do as a kid. And I never in my life saw a trail come out of a jet unless you were at an air show where they do it intentionally. They add a chemical to the fuel intentionally in order to produce the trails. So when this happened, I started tasting it, smelling it, having all of these symptoms, and it proliferated after that. Every single day at the same times, with about a 15-minute tolerance, they would spray. It was very predictable, and I knew what my symptoms were, and they sprayed largely through the night. Usually they'd hit us in the late afternoon, and then there'd be a little break, and then they would hit us at like 1 a.m., 3 p.m., 5 a.m., and 7 a.m., And so I knew I couldn't sleep through it because it was so unbelievably intense. And after a couple of years of going through this in 2000, early 2008, I moved and I moved to a place where they were spraying less intensely. So watching the scheduling, knowing that jet engines, high bypass turbofan engines, do not create trails, they don't. There's a lot of propaganda all over the internet coming from NASA, coming from the FAA, coming from news media. These organizations are all working together to pass on propaganda, which is a complete fabrication. And so when the spraying began, I was equipped to say, okay, here we go. This is really happening. It's right in front of your face. It's like chemtrails. It's like vaccines. There's poison in vaccines. No doctor will deny that. Mercury is the most toxic, non-radioactive neural poison that we know of. Nevertheless, it's a toxic neural poison. It's been associated with over 200 of the most common diseases, according to the late Dr. Hal Huggins. And my own research that I've done for myself indicates that. So it's right in front of your face. Same thing with chemtrails. Suddenly, you've got planes in the sky that have no trail. Suddenly, you've got all these planes that are emitting trails. It's right in front of your face. And I think that's one of the most common questions I hear say, aren't they spraying themselves? And my response is, absolutely not. These are not stupid people. These are very, very smart people, in that either a few different things are happening. They protect themselves, which we have the technology to protect ourselves from the things that they're spraying. So, when you talk about people being sprayed, I think the most common modality in which they accomplish that is they use air chelation. You can pass water with certain benign chemicals in there down tubes. I've actually researched this myself because I suffer so much from chemtrails. I built my own air purifier to help keep my health up. And I just modeled what industry uses. For tens of thousands of dollars, they have these devices where they will drop water through these vessels. And these vessels are filled with what are called Paul rings. And it makes the water splash around everywhere. So it breaks the water into all kinds of tiny particulates and then they can add chelators to the water and then the substances that are being sprayed like we have aluminum barium strontium and according to Dr. Marvin Hernan, the geophysicist we have cadmium we have lead we have other toxic metals as well mercury that was the one i was particularly interested in because the power brokers love mercury the mercury is in my opinion their favorite toxin to use when you add these chelators to the water and then you divide the water into little tiny pieces you can actually chelate the air. It would be called air chelation or purification through chelation. And you can pull these nanoparticles that they're spraying out of the air because the particles are too small to be taken out by HEPA filters. They will pass right through HEPA filters. And I've verified this myself by going into a small room with several different types of filters and HEPA filters during different types of chemtrails and running air purifiers that are HEPA and even hyperHEPA from IQ air. And it will wonderfully get rid of smoke, it will get rid of odors, it'll get rid of all kinds of stuff, but the chemtrail smell and taste, which I smell and taste very, very strongly, is not affected, or very, very slightly, very, very little bit, or at all, some of the types are not affected at all, by HEPA filtration. So that's one of the modalities. I think they obviously do protect themselves. They're very, very smart people. They're not going to make themselves vulnerable as they dumb down and destroy the health of the population and profit from everybody's morbidity and mortality. Morbidity just means disease and mortality means death. They're going to profit from both of those, but they're going to certainly, most certainly protect themselves. Basically, going to a dentist, I got nine fillings when I was a teenager. And during that time, I had very bad acne and mercury is ubiquitous not because of some accident it's completely intentional we have known how toxic mercury is for 200 years or more but even if you want to say 100 years why has it just been put in everything why would they put why would a scientist a real scientist who cares about humanity because a scientist is supposed to do things and do research that helps humanity why would they put the world's most toxic non-radioactive substance in your mouth it makes absolutely no sense. And then, of course, the ADA of Chicago made the statement that, well, we know that it doesn't escape, so it's harmless. Well, that's a lie. The CDC actually says every single filling in your mouth emits 4 to 17 micrograms per day per filling 24 hours a day. And I believe that's extremely conservative because when you abraise those teeth and when you eat or if you chew gum or if you have a hot liquid, those amounts increase Dramatically, and it doesn't take much mercury to make you extremely sick. That's why, in uh, I think it was Wisconsin, if I remember, in a lab laboratory, they broke a thermometer. They shut the school down for two weeks while a hazmat team came in and cleaned up because that's what you do because mercury's that bad. And some people say, "Oh well, I played with it with my hands when I was a kid and I'm okay." Well, that's because in that form, until it gets bound like to a methyl group, until it becomes bioavailable. It's still toxic, but it just doesn't get distributed very much. Once it becomes methyl or ethyl mercury, then it's extremely bioavailable, will go through your cell walls, go through your brain blood barrier, and creates absolute havoc in every body system. How do you get it out? How do you know if it's out? The dentist I had, I remember this, I don't think I ever had a single cavity. Every single time he put a filling in, he went in with his poker and he would feel a little bit of molar, in the center part of the molar. And he would say, oh, oh, it's a little bit soft there. It's a little soft there. I think we need to fill that. And every filling I remember him putting in, that's what he said. It's a little bit soft, a little bit sticky. It's not really, we need to fill that. So I ended up getting all of the diseases and all the problems that I had growing up, which probably would have been diagnosed as autism spectrum today, but there was no diagnosis back then in my time took me until I was 35 years old to figure out what was wrong with me. And then I had an absolutely miraculous recovery all because this dentist wanted to put some money in his pocket because he knew putting some fillings in could make him some money. How do you know it's out? The first thing you can do is actually get the fillings removed, but that in and of itself is extremely dangerous because when it's being removed, it's ground into a fine powder and you'll get exposed to a lot of it. And in fact, about 50% of the people that I personally have known over the last 15, 20 years who had their fillings removed and did not have it done safely ended up shortly after with a chronic degenerative disease. This is how dangerous it is. It shouldn't be in your mouth in the first place. Yet, if you're on public assistance in most states of the United States, they will not pay for anything but amalgam fillings. Is this a mistake? Is it an oversight? In my opinion, absolutely not. Absolutely not. Making people sick is what makes money. And by setting policy, insurance policy, to do this is how you're going to guarantee that the maximum number of people get exposed to this poison, get chronic degenerative diseases, and then you're going to profit from the treatment and management of those diseases. So getting them taken out, in my opinion, is a good thing. And I'm not a doctor and I don't treat, diagnose, or cure anything, including diseases, symptoms, or conditions. But getting them out safely is critical. You need to have skin covering. I had, when mine were removed, I had oxygen supply. My skin was covered by towels. I wore goggles. My dentist and his assistant looked like they were in a hazmat suit. They had a large mercury air filtration, sucking air from the area the entire time. And I had an absolute miraculous recovery. So getting it removed, I believe, is a very good thing. But you are continuously getting the influx of mercury through respiration because chemtrails are loaded with mercury, according to Dr. Marvin Hernan. Dr. Marvin Hernan publishes a paper, says, we have found the exact signature of coal fly ash in chemtrail residue, which includes large amounts of mercury, which in coal fly ash is typically already methylated. So it's bioavailable mercury, not the stuff in the thermometer, which is bad enough, but this is the stuff like that's in fish. So very bad stuff. So I've had a miraculous recovery. 85 of my symptoms that I had had for years were gone in 24 hours. The remaining 15% of symptoms were gone in three months. So getting it out is really important, but you have to do it safely. Here's the history of it, in a nutshell, when I first started witnessing it in 2005. Now I did see it one time in 2003 when I was traveling out west. Anyway, that was the first time. But 2005, they started just saturating the sky, and it was blatant. it was in front of your face. Now that was when I was in Jamestown, New York. Now what I saw in Jamestown in 2007 is they had a four-day break, and I was hoping it was over because I was absolutely tortured. My health was horrible. I went from absolute pristine health, literally never getting sick. My body was a machine, but in 2007, here's what they did. And this answers your question about what's going on because this is happening everywhere is there was a four day break where there were no chemtrails. And on the fifth day, they came back, but they were all at higher altitudes and the trails were short, non-persistent trails. So they were harder to see. So if you weren't standing outside watching, you really wouldn't see them. Now, still six to 10 days a month, perhaps, they would still have the persistent trails. And I believe they did that because their lie was that, oh, jets just do this. Jets make this. And so if they suddenly disappeared from the sky, the public would be saying, well, what happened? You know, this is not normal. At least you would think the public would say that, but generally they don't anyway, but they had to maintain their lie. But nevertheless, there was a dramatic change where the trails literally in a period of five days changed from literally covering the sky in two to three hours to make it a whiteout in the sky every day to being non-persistent so you wouldn't see the trails after a minute, 30 seconds, two minutes, they would dissipate. Now I spent in 2013 a good amount of time down in Philadelphia. And when I first went down there, it was an absolute, it looked like a war zone, I called it. I mean they were battering the sky like crazy. And during that year I saw the same thing happen that I had seen in Jamestown. The trails, except it was overnight, there wasn't a four-day break. In this case, the very next day, one day, I went out and the trails, almost all of them were non-persistent and the skies looked much, much, much better. There were still days that looked bad, but only a fraction of the days out of the month. I saw the same thing happen here in Maine, and I think the year was 2010, if I remember correctly. I moved to Maine in April of 2008 and they were absolutely whiting out the sky like they did in Jamestown. It was better here initially when I first moved here, but then it very rapidly deteriorated. By 2010, they were whiting out the sky, and the same thing happened here. Overnight, the majority of flying jets were flying at middle to high altitudes using non-persistent trails except for six to ten days a month. They were still using persistent to maintain their lie. Now, today, they've even gone further with it where now, to answer your question about still seeing the trails, but you don't see the jets being made, I took probably more time-lapse of chemtrails than anybody, anywhere. I took time-lapse continuously for three years, and I chewed through a lot of hard drives, let me tell you. But I went ahead, did this, and I made a lot of chemtrails, and I saw how they actually work. I watched these and, and saw how they dissipate. And here's what happens. What's happening now is... Here, we only see persistent chemtrails in the day a couple times out of the month. Most days are clear unless it's overcast because of precipitation. Most days are clear. The trails you will see if you stand outside will be at high to medium altitudes, and they're very non-persistent. They're very short. They dissipate very quickly, but the taste and smell of chemtrails in the air is not changed from what it was when they were persistent, but what you will see is you will see below the flight paths, if you track these flight paths, which is easy to do with time lapse photography, you will see these plumes form in the air, these strips of clouds form as the falling particulates pass into the inversion layer. What this is, is the layer of air that's close to the earth is warmer and moister. And when you take that cold, dry air and those particulates fall through, It will create condensation from the particulates because that's how rainstorms start by using what they call condensation nuclei. So, that's how these days you may not see any trails in the sky, but you will still see these big swaths of trails or the fallout that we've seen for years and years without the actual trails because those particulates fall through the warm, moist air. And as they fall into that layer, In time-lapse, you can clearly see this happen. It actually forms a trail below the flight path. So that's part of the reason, I think, why you still see those kinds of things without the trails themselves. And you can see this if you fly. I've flown since I was a kid. And when you would get up to altitude, you know, you're up to 30, 32,000 feet or so in your commercial jet. These days, if you go up and fly since chemtrails began, you will see this bright silver sheen around the earth the entire atmosphere lights up with this silver sheen this was not there and i will tell the young people who are listening i'm not young i'm 55 years old and i've collected over the years i don't have them anymore but most of my life i collected or much of my life i collected pictures and looked at this photography and i will tell you that that sheen was not there I had never seen it until after the chemtrail program became widespread because it did spread out over a period of between 1995 and 2005, is when it really, really spread out. And most people started seeing it between that 10 year period. And it did exist before and it did exist before that time period, but that's when it really grew. And that is when that silver sheen around the earth actually formed. And I will tell you, as somebody who can smell and taste, I've written detailed articles about the different types of trails. Not visually, but the plumes that come to earth, the different tastes, the different scheduling, what the symptoms are that each different type of trail causes, because I can smell, even as I sit here, we got hit with a plume about 10 or 15 minutes ago, we got hit with what I call a sharp metallic. It's one of the new most common types. You can hear my sinuses are closing as I'm talking. When you're exposed to an electromagnetic field of certain frequencies, this is scientifically proven, you can find patents and scientific papers on PubMed and other places that talk about this, you actually increase what's called cell wall porosity. And what this means is that your cell will normally reject these toxic metals from passing through the cell walls. When you're exposed to certain frequencies, and this is where the hum comes in, I actually hear the hum. Every day there's a hum here, and I hear it and I can measure it. And I measure, in fact, I measured it two days ago, it was 72 hertz. But when you're exposed to certain frequencies, the cell wall breaks down and begins letting toxins in. And I have this on our Global Skywatch website, this study that actually talks about where military tests were being done years ago, where they could release. A benign amount of a substance into the atmosphere that nobody would notice, it would make any difference, there'd be no measurable effect. When you expose the population to a certain frequency and you open up their cell walls and their blood brain barrier as well, then you can actually induce morbidity. You can actually kill people with a very small amount of substance that would normally be benign just by including a frequency that opens up the cell wall pericity. So those two can play together in a very tightly knit dance that can be deadly. Yeah. Not only that, but it's not just aluminum, but the primary things that we find, there's a lot of things in chemtrails that people have found in chemtrail residue, but we found the four most commonly named things are aluminum, barium, strontium, and mercury. Every one of those is immunosuppressive. Yeah, I guess the easiest place to go is just go to our global skywatch.com website. From there, you can get to our Facebook group. You can get to our Miwi group, and also you can get to our other website that talks about everything else besides chemtrails, which is called Orbis Vitae. It means circle of life in Latin. It's O R B I S Orbis, which means circle and Vitae dot com, And there we cover hundreds of subjects, conspiracies, and have lots of evidence videos, documentaries that actually show you what's going on and how to prepare. And my uh, email address is on both of those sites. People are welcome to contact me and I will respond if I can.